Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Good Friday morning. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino, and Amo, congratulations. Your Dallas Cowboys are the best, best team in the NFL. Kind of makes you feel good, doesn't it? They're one of the best. Oh, here right he goes. Now. Stop, man. No, I mean, they are. Obviously, they're right. They are the best, one of the best team in the NFL right now. You just can't dispute that at this point. I'll say this. They have the best offense in the NFL, oh, for sure. I know that. I, I know they have the best offense. That that I'm certain of. They can beat you in a million different ways. So I'm not going to say I'm not. I'm thrilled with what they're doing. I just Their defense has some injuries right now, and I'm concerned with what I saw yesterday. Now, I know they played to what they had. They, they're playing to those injuries, trying to mask them, and they did a good job. They won the game. But I need to see a little bit of an improvement. What in particular has you worried? Well, what has me worried is that I know Coach Marinelli is a good coach, and he plays that Tampa too, and he's like, hey, I'll let you drive down the field when the, when, the, when it tightens up, and we'll talk about that when we get to the game. Of course, I like all that good stuff he does, but at some point I'd like to see him dial up some pressure. They don't have a real natural pass rusher on their, on their defensive line. They play hard. They run to the football. They do all that stuff. But, he, you know, at some point you can't let the quarterback stand there and pick his nose. That's just what they've always been, though, Emil. I mean, that that's just that works for them. Hey, listen, from your, you know what I say? Can I say that on this show? Can I use the word God? From your mouth to God's ears, <laughs> I want them to win the Super Bowl. But I'm just, I'm just you not know. sure what they're gonna have to do for you to just be all in. Have no, I'm all in. I'm play. always all in. I have my lucky my my lucky sweatshirt on. It's on a ten game winning streak. I just smell a lot of fear here. I mean, there's just a lot of fear I'm I'm smelling. Go ahead. They're the best. You're you're probably sitting here mad at me thinking I'm jinxing your football team. I'm not mad at you. I mean, listen, I know that you're not doing this insincerely. I know that you, you say what you think, and right now you think that, and I think they're one of the best. Uh, you know, I still think Seattle has to be dealt with, so that's all. You mean that Seattle team that you said has no offense? They don't have an offense, but but they play defense, and now they're getting an offense because the quarterback, who is the offense, is is healthy now and running around like a madman. Going, he's going crazy. Uh, what was the he most? Scares me. Uh, I mean, we had football yesterday, three NFL games. Uh, yeah. We did have a college football game that turned into a, a yeah, a bit of an unexpected track meet. What was the thing that stood out the most in uh, all of the football games that took place yesterday? Because I know you, I know you peeked in on all of them. Oh, peeked in! I was planting like a flower. Uh, let's see. I'm probably jinxing my team saying this, but my God, is the is the Minnesota offense an absolute train wreck? Now watch what they do next next Thursday. But I mean, so far, wow. I mean, I know they have some injuries, but 
I mean, that that that's embarrassing there. I mean, I've been on this for a minute, as you know, uh, when everyone was ready to sing the praises, uh, when Sam Bradford came over, started off well, uh, I just looked at it as like, who's going to run the football for these guys and who's he throwing the ball to? I mean, NFL defenses aren't going to just let Stephon Diggs run wild every week. And so when it's not him, who are you throwing the ball to? And and so I knew the time was limited on that. And, and as you saw yesterday, they're going to continue to struggle there. I don't I don't know that the Vikings are going to make the playoffs, Emil, just to be honest with you. Oh, they're not going to make that. I mean, I can't listen. Once they pull off, a, first of all, look at it this way. Thursday, they need to end Dallas's 10-game winning streak because if they drop to 6-6 six and six and the, the way the NFC is situated right now, with with the strength of the NFC East, there's there's no way they're going to win that. They're not going to win the division at that point. Detroit's beat them both games, so Detroit essentially has a two game lead on them, not a one, because they beat them twice. So they're not winning their division most likely unless Detroit absolutely implodes, and it is Detroit. So hey, <laughs> but who's, I don't know. Uh, who's in bigger trouble right now, the Green Bay Packers or the Minnesota Vikings? That's a tough question, isn't it? I, I would probably go Vikings because the Packers still have Rodgers. So, you know, if, if he goes crazy Sunday and writes the ship, everything will be great again. You know, the Green Bay Packers fans will be back on the bandwagon. You know, Aaron Rodgers will be the greatest quarterback in the world, and away we go. I think uh, I think I think neither one of us are feeling all that great about Sam Bradford. What is it about him? You know, I was watching a game yesterday. He gets hit on a play. And, Emil, every time he gets hit, it looks like the hardest hit ever in the world. I mean, he's, he's curled up on the ground like he got hit by a truck. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to l- listen, you know. <laughs> as the show's really resident accountant, like I've never got hit as by the show's resident accountant, Chad, I've never been hit by an NFL player. I've never been hit by an NFL player, full disclosure. But I'm going to say that since he gets paid to do that, he should take it a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Manliness. I mean, I watch that guy; he turns white when he gets hit. Hey, get, I mean, he's. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it just bugs me. Like he looks uh, like I'm, a sheet when he gets after he gets up from a sack. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's ridiculous. Like, get up, man. Uh, you're laying on the yeah. ground. Like, oh, my God, are they done? Like, it was a herd that came through, and you're just laying there waiting to, you know, make sure that they're all gone first before he gets up off the ground. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Uh, that, that might, Maybe that's it. He's just not built. His body doesn't look like a guy built to play in the NFL. Take a look at my guy. Look, look at Prescott, right? He's thick. He looks like if you hit him, he's not going to fall apart. Bradford no. looks more like like RG3. Like they're both built in that same tall, skinny legs. They, they, you almost feel like you could take their legs, like like a guy like a guy like Warren Sapp could take one of their legs and snap it with his hands. Yeah, I, I mean it. It sure has that look. But uh, you know what else too? Uh, I took from yesterday's games. I'm uh, I'm tired. I'm officially tired of Josh Norman's antics. I've had enough. Uh, you know, then he goes on Twitter later after all of the back and forth with Des Bryant in the game, which it looked like to me he was the one being antagonistic. Believe, yeah, can you believe that in this day and age? Right, right, Des Bryant right, has right. really turned the corner um, as I'm sitting there watching. He's, he's really turned the corner. But then after all of the back and forth, which continued into the postgame between Josh Norman and Des Bryant, Josh Norman goes on uh, in an interview and says, oh, that Des Bryant said to him after the game, where we come from, we unload the clip. 
Now, you know, listen, I have no idea if that's what was actually said. Why are you talking to, why are you bringing that to the media? What's the point of that? And not only that, I mean, you know, it, whether he said it or not, you know, they, they're, they're both talking crap on the field. I mean, that's something that, you know, if you want to talk about you don't think he's that good, whatever you're going to say. But that's stuff that, you know, I'm sure Norman said some stuff out there that wasn't very pleasant either. <laughs> come on. Yeah, absolutely. So should Des Bryant have come on and said everything that – uh, Josh Norman said during the game, it's just, you know, it's, it's you know, geez, you know, geez, Josh, where I come from, where I come yeah, from, Josh, I'm, we won't I'm, tolerate I'm, that kind of smack. This <laughs> is, that is what the you second call smack? time um, <laughs> with, with Josh Norman that you've had, you know, a matchup with, uh, with, with a, a fellow wide receiver that has boiled over the, the common back and forth between two players on a football team that had got serious. It got, it went beyond the game. So now it's looking like it was more Josh Norman and that Odell Beckham thing than it was Odell Beckham. Because, you know, Beckham well, that's really what I, had that's what I was just going to say to you. You know, you know, I always tell my kids this, right? In anything, it's like math. You look for the constant. The, all I know is there's been two or three of these incidents now. The only constant is Josh Norman, so I'm going to go with he was the antagonist last night. Yeah, I mean, it sure looks that way. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what I'm seeing. Uh, I, I saw several plays where it was over, and, you know, Des Bryant's really trying to go on about his business, and there he is trying to invite conflict. And, you know, I'm, and again, not, not even a criticism if he wasn't being a jerk because, you know, I mean, Des Bryant is a handful, but at the money times in that game where, where Dallas needed a throw, they, they, they went to Bryant and they got him. So, I, I mean, you know, I, I'd have to look at the, the, the replay of the game to see if Norman was on him every time, but I'm going to guess he was. So, I mean, shut up and play football. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what that guy's deal is. All right, you, you text me during this game, and uh, you were firing coaches. You think it's time for Kevin Sumlin to go. And, you know, I was messing with you a little bit, but uh, I may be a little bit on that train, too. Uh, maybe the SEC's not necessarily the conference for Kevin Sumlin. I think he's a good football coach. I just don't know that Texas A&M is it. He needs to go somewhere. Uh, where he could just be that that offensive genius, and you know, defense can be a secondary thing, and he could thrive, or uh, or or do really well. Which he's, not, I'm not saying he's not doing well at Texas A&M. I just think they probably reached the ceiling with him. Well, yeah, I mean, again, everything requires context. Um, if A&M is all all right with eight and four, which they may be, because let's let's not forget, we're we're A&M. Really, since they went to the SEC and since someone took over, we've come to expect more from Texas A&M. Go back and look at what their records were in the Big 12 before they went to the SEC. Amazingly, they were doing worse in the Big 12, and then someone came along. We got Johnny football for a year or two. They started winning a lot of games, and now all of a sudden the expectations are higher. So with that said, all I'm saying for someone maybe is a career move I don't even know if they need to fire him as much as maybe he needs to just look at. It. I'm not sure he can go any further here. I mean, I look at that game last night, okay? Well, first of all, let's start with A&M starts the year. They tease us. They go they go 6-0. and They play Bama. No, no shame losing at Alabama. So they're 6-1, and still in position for a big year. They win their, their bye week against New Mexico State. Oh, no, they had two bye weeks this year. Wait, they play UT, UTSA later on. But in between... They lose at Mississippi State. They lose at home to Mississippi. Now, Mississippi's a car wreck this year, so there's no 
there's no excuse on those two losses there. I mean, Mississippi State's one of the worst teams in the conference. And then finally, uh, you know, you, you get down to the end of the year, you have LSU coming in. Florida played them last week. I thought emptied LSU's tank. I mean, I figured there's no way LSU loses that game at home to Florida last week, goes on the road for a game where, honestly, there's not a ton at stake other than pride. And I know I shouldn't say that because they're, they should want to win, but I felt the preparation to be weak this year, this week for LSU. And they go out there and they put 54 points on Texas A&M. I mean, and this is not an offensive juggernaut. Anyone who watched the game against Florida knows that LSU is no offensive juggernaut. No, they've had a couple of games this year, especially since Ogeron's taken over, where they've, uh, you know, they've, they've played some good offensive football and uh, put up some points and were the opposite of what folks have said uh, regarding less, you know, less miles, LSU on the less miles. So, but yeah, certainly they shouldn't be putting up that amount of points. I guess it looks like Texas A&M was the team that was out of gas for whatever reason. Well, yes, point taken. And also putting up some points and some yards or one thing, 54 points, 622 yards. And I don't really get into the yards. The one only yardage statistic I really look at is this. They gave up 298 yards rushing, six and a half yards a carry. That just that tells me either you, you can't tell me A&M doesn't have the horses. So I'm going to throw that out. Either you're poorly coached or you're not trying. I don't know what it is. It's one or the other. Because you, you just can't do that. I mean, A&M is not a team that you just get steamrolled on the ground like that. Well, Texas A&M hasn't played good football in a while. Uh, and really, to quite, be quite honest with you, since that Tennessee win, uh, maybe that's where their tank got emptied out. They went through that back and forth, back and forth with Tennessee in that game. They were eventually able to pull it out. And since then, they just have not been a good football team. Took the loss at Alabama, not unexpected. Um, then you had a New Mexico State team that you blew out, but, you know, you, how much can you take from that? Then they had, as you mentioned, the loss to Mississippi State. Then you lose to a Mississippi team that's not very good. Then you struggle against UT San Antonio, and then you have what you had yesterday. So I don't know what they're going to bring to a bowl game. Uh, there's going to have to be some serious head work done on the players out of there and get them back to where they were earlier on in the season. But uh, right now, just not a very good football team. And maybe, maybe the Texas A&M job comes, comes open. You know, maybe that's just another job that's open. And speaking of that, uh, yeah, listen, there's some stuff to report on, on job openings. And we'll do that when we get back on the show. We're going to talk college football next. And then uh, a little NFL football down later on. Previews, picks, and uh, Amos firing coaches today. So we'll do that more when we get back on a Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Sure, someone's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, 
You can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at T-ShirtSupplies.com. That's T-Shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. The Macho Man Randy Savage is not a happy, unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. Outside interference here. Yeah. Oh, I'm living in a nightmare. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. I am the cream. Yeah, let me say it to you. Let me say it out loud. The cream of the crop. I am the cream. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop! I'm on my way. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. Nobody does it better. Yeah. We're back on the Great Iron Set Show. Amal, do you think uh, Aaron Rodgers is somewhere uh, in the mirror uh, repeating that monologue there by Macho Man? <laughs> Just staring into the mirror saying, I am the cream. I am the cream. I think the Packers are going to get back, man. I think he's I think he's in the mirror somewhere doing that discount double take and counting royalty checks or whatever he gets from it. Yeah, well, that. He is definitely getting paid. There is no question about that. But uh, nevertheless, college football is what we're on right now. It's college football segment here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Um, and you listen, Emil, uh, we're getting down to that time of year. It happens each and every year. There's Black Friday, which is where we are right now. But then there's also that Black Monday that comes around. I think that's more for the NFL. But we're getting to that point in time where uh, speculation starts about who's 
who's not going to be back next year They're at the head of their college football programs. And we've had some uh, movement and uh, some, uh, you know, some, some talk as of late about who's going where and who's getting fired and who's leaving. We talked about Kevin Sumlin in our last segment. Uh, maybe it is time for him to move on from Texas A&M, whether it's him doing it or uh, it is the team uh, doing it. I think it would probably more be the school letting him go. And I haven't heard uh, Kevin. Kevin Sumlin is not a hot commodity right now. No one's hotter than Tom Herman. And there's some news on that front. Uh, I'm not sure. What's going on there? Uh, last week, LSU was uh, all about Jimbo Fisher. Now, Emil, it seems that Tom Herman is the guy they're looking to ink. Yeah, well, I've, I was just going to say it. If I'm him, I, I'm jumping at LSU over Texas right now. Why? Several reasons. One, you know, frankly, I, you know, from what I've seen watching college football this year, and I'm not saying I, I, Texas has some talent. There's no doubt about that. But I really like what LSU, what he's going to inherit at LSU. Um, it shows you that with some coaching, some good offensive design, that team has the, the pieces in place to put up points. I mean, I know, you know, A&M's defense, as we highlighted in the last segment, is certainly not Alabama's, but there's no reason team, a team with LSU's talent should be going out there scoring zeros and sevens and tens in big games. So I think he's got talent there. I think the expectations, while they're high at LSU, I was kidding around halfway on your Facebook page the other day, but he's got the built-in excuse when he doesn't win his division every year. I play in the same division as Alabama. At Texas, I think their expectations for Texas football are completely unrealistic. Um, I think they think it's 1969. Well, here's the thing. Don't they have a big advantage, though? I mean, if you're Texas, I mean, shouldn't you be – uh, obviously, you shouldn't be in a dogfight and then eventually lose to a Kansas. But don't they have a big advantage being being the University of Texas? Of course. Of course. And that's part of the problem. The expectations there are high because everyone says well, we're the, the, the wealthiest. For those of you out there who don't know this, Texas is the wealthiest public university in the United States of America. They have their own football network at Texas. They don't have the SEC network. They don't have the Big Ten, the Pac-12. They have the Longhorn network, okay? They have their own football network. Yes, how about that? That carries a lot of pressure, though, and expectations with it that sometimes aren't realistic. They think it's 1969. Um, You know, they think, uh, who was it, Frank Broyles? Was he their coach or am I with the Arkansas coach? Oh, Daryl Royal. They think Daryl Royal's running around the sidelines. Texas, before Vince Young, when Superman on my Trojans, when we were going for that third straight national championship, when it still bothers me. He went Superman. Texas hadn't won a national championship in 35 years. Now, that happens. Not a big deal. I mean, Ohio State went 34 years between theirs. Only one team wins every year. There's a lot of teams. I get that. But still, my point is that it was a long time. Then, you know, Mac Brown went nuts for a while. They were winning 10, 11 games a year. He did a great job. But they're really, you know, people think that's going to happen every year. And we talked about this in our last show. In today's landscape, I'm not sure outside of Alabama if any school can can expect to go 11-1 every year at this point. Yeah, but at some point, Emil, uh, I think the the fan base at Texas is going to have to give someone a, a legitimate chance. They're going to have to have patience with somebody. But what does Texas need? Uh, do they need defense? Uh, can they can they thrive in the Big 12 if they are the one team that wants to play defense, or do they need a guy like Tom Herman who's going to come in with offense and just do it better 
than anyone else. Not to say they weren't playing defense at Houston. They were, they were all right there, but is that yeah, what they need? Yeah. If I was building Texas, I mean, I would I would build Texas very similar to, to how I, I like the way USC's built right now. And I've told you I'm a fan of the pro-style offense. We're going to run the ball between the tackles. You've got to get a competent. See, here's the problem. Texas hasn't had a good quarterback since Colt McCoy left. You've got to get a guy who can control the game, make the throws when you need them. I don't want you putting the ball up 50 times a game. I want to see 25 to 30 passes. I want to see the running game, and I want to see you play defense. To me, that's what Texas football is supposed to be about. I don't want to see you chucking it 60 times. I don't want to see you involved in 51-44 games. That's not that's not what Texas, with the type of talent they can get there, that's not what they should be doing, in my opinion. Well, in this day and age, Emil, I think you know what the deal is. If you're going to come into uh, a conference uh, and in a college football in this day and age, and you're going to be pro style, you're going to use stuff like a fullback and a tight end, um, you, it's very difficult for the fan base to be patient with that. Uh, Fortunately for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, he came in had instant success. But in this day and age, people uh, lose patience really quick with you wanting to run the football and use something. They'll call your they'll call you archaic. So if, if okay, but let, let, if let's the dial back. And they're doing that. They they I mean, can they go two three seasons without being the team? I'm not saying you have to look like it's 1980 here, okay? But let's go back to September show when you and I were, were prematurely. We, we weren't firing him, but we were saying he was on the hot seat because Lynn Swan had inherited Coach Helton at USC. Now, he stayed the course. He did some of the things I just talked about Texas doing. He found himself a good, not just a competent quarterback. He happened to find himself a superstar. That said, they're not out there with a fullback most of the time. They run a little bit of hurry up here and there. But they run the football, by and large, up the middle, between the tackles. They're physical. The quarterback can make the throws. And, and hey, they decided that, you know what, every once in a while it's good to concentrate on stopping the other team. He, all I'm asking for is that. You don't have to look, make it look like it's 1980. I don't need you to run out a 250-pound fullback and, and run straight from the eye. If you want to make it a little bit more update it and you want to go with a quarterback taking the snap in the shotgun and those kind of handoffs i don't care how you accomplish it all i'm saying is i think that that texas needs to get more in that mold right now i don't know what texas is i mean i watch a game against notre dame to start the year they're throwing the ball over the place scoring 50 points or whatever it was uh, i i told you the other day i have no idea how this tailback from texas is not in the heisman discussion I look at the stat sheet, the kid's about to go over 2,000 yards if he has a decent day today. So they have, obviously, a kid that can run the football, yet I watch some of their games, and they're giving up 40 and 50 points. I don't know what Texas is right now. All right, so let's talk this. What's, what's, what's the best place for Tom Herman? How about that? Well, I, I mean, <clears throat> for him, I mean, I think he's – we don't know what – you know, I'm going to say – Watching him and from everything I've read, and you, you would know more than this because you talk to these people on recruiting trips and whatnot, but from everything I've read, <clears throat> everybody thinks his, his arrow is straight up, and it probably is. He's probably going to be a good coach wherever he goes. So f- for me, I'm mean, all kidding aside, I, I, I like that guy at LSU. I think he could do wonders with the talent. Uh, I think every year LSU's talent is right up there with Alabama's. I really do. 
I mean, when you, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, LSU is cranking out NFL players left and right. Coming into this year, I think we read the list in September, um, players on NFL rosters, it was LSU, USC. LSU was number one. But isn't there something to be said? I mean, isn't, doesn't he become legendary uh, of sorts if he, if he can get Texas turned around? I mean, let's face it. If you get Texas right, well, who are you really up against? Bob Stoops at Oklahoma? Uh, you know, you're going to have that problem every year with Nick Saban and, 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 uh, at Alabama. But if you get to Texas and you turn Texas around, if you do at Texas what you did at Houston, and now Texas, the richest program, as you have said, in college football, uh, can now be a perennial Big 12 winner. Is that not better than anything you think you could do at LSU? Yes, and, and, and the truth of it is, long term, I mean, Herman's probably a guy that, you know, I'm not going to – I'm speculating that's what we do here. I'm guessing a guy his, his youth, with the youth he has, if he wins big at a major program, he's probably someday headed for the NFL. So if he's only got a six- to eight-year plan, I'm not saying what you're – I kind of agree with what you're saying. I think at Texas, that's another job very hard to retire from because they're never going to give you a pass. You never put enough in the bank at Texas. You can have, you can have 10 years in a row where you go 10, 11 wins at Texas, and if you have one or two years where you drop to 7-5, and 8-4, and four, back-to-back, they want to fire you. So as long as he's got a clear plan in his head, listen, I'm going to win big here, and I'm getting the hell out and going to play with the big boys, I'm okay with what you're saying. I just think Texas is a hard spot. I know every school's got big boosters. I get that. I mean, every school has guys writing checks that want what they want, and that goes from Miami up to Florida, across the country to USC. I get that. But Texas's boosters are legendary. I mean, those guys basically run that program. And, yeah, and I've I always I did put this up on, on the uh, Twitter page um, about three days ago. And asked, of the following college football jobs suspected to come open at the end of the season, which is best, Texas, LSU, Florida State? And uh, the poll results came in, 28% Florida State, 35% LSU, 37% Texas. That was a little closer than I thought. I thought Texas would kind of run away with this thing, but uh, only 2%. Well, I hate, I hate to go there with this stuff, but I've always felt, and I told you when he was, you know, right after the first year he was hired, I think you and I had a conversation about this. And people don't realize, I always felt like Charlie Strong was was made to be an outsider there. And that's sure, a hard right position to be in. Right off the bat. Was that's a, a hard right position to be in. And, I, you know, Chad and I talk a lot off the air, stuff like this. And I, I don't like to call it unless I see it that way. But to me, there's just a tacit, a tacit undercurrent there at that school that he had a little bit too much of a suntan for – for, for the people there. I mean, maybe yeah, I'm wrong. Maybe. It's tough. And I don't know why Charlie Strong has really run into that. Do you remember way back before he took that job at Louisville, um, he was on the head coaching market, and then there was talk about some schools in the SEC would not uh, hire Charlie Strong because his wife is white. I, I don't know why he's run into that. but uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. And you know what? In this day and age, I don't get it. I mean, I've always said the thing I, the thing I always drew me to sports is that that's one area where typically it hasn't infected the, our, our, our games that we love because until ESPN started making political statements. Because mostly in sports, you can be purple, yellow, 
you can have an eye in the center of your forehead, but if you get the job done, everybody loves you and everybody's friends. <laughs> just the yeah. way it is. Well, so. I can't wait. Listen, I, listen, Monday, we're going to talk more about this whole coaching carousel because there's, you know, there's some things going on and there's some news to report, but this is our football Friday edition. So we do need to actually talk about the uh, games that are going to be played on the field. And we've got a nice lineup this weekend. It's kind of a rivalry weekend. Let me not say kind of, it is, rivalry weekend and uh, there's some good stuff out there so let's run through the top 25 Houston Memphis not going to talk a whole lot about that but today at 3 30 Eastern time Washington taking on Washington State Amel Washington a six-point favorite on the road I think this is going to be a really damn good football game I think it'll be a good game I'm inclined if I was playing it to lay the points with Washington and I'll tell you why the more I looked at this game while I'm giving a lot to Washington State for home field, I think there's a big discrepancy in game management and, and, and strategy from the coaching perspective. I've oh, watched enough Mike. You've got a problem with Mike Leach and his gambling nature. He's a degenerate from that standpoint. He is. And you know what? There's a certain point in these kind of games where if it's tight going into the late third, early Com- fourth quarter, you can to prevail. Yes, you can flip a football game to the negative for your team and give your team less of a chance to win, as I saw him do last week at Colorado. And I'm concerned that Peterson's smart enough that he'll have his team in the game and figure at some point Michael left this up. <laughs> and, uh, you, yeah. know, you know, that's, that's kind of what I look Last at this year game. it was a 45-10 to 10 football game. Washington clearly better. The game was in Seattle. I think we've got, you know, we know we've got a better Washington team this year we've got a better Washington State team I don't know that Washington State has closed the gap you know some 35 28 to 35 points so I'm inclined to go with you on that though I'm uh though I'm not going to be able to see this game I'm going to be traveling for our our, our Chad they game. just can't run up. the football Chad and, and then you you and I are big proponents of that I think Washington is a very very solid football team defensively um, probably the best as far as in terms right now of talent, them or USC on the defensive side of the ball. And Washington State just can't run the football. So I think when you're playing one-armed like Washington State, I think it's only going to take a while for Washington to figure out what they're doing and and clamp down on them. And so I think that that spread from last year, like you just pointed out, matter of fact, good, kudos to you, I didn't pick that up, but 35 points, that's a big gap to close. I know they have home field, but both teams are better since last year, so... Yeah, I don't know that they've closed 35 points. Sliding down here, uh, we don't talk MAC football here much, but this is a very interesting matchup uh, here today at 5 o'clock, and that's Toledo taking on Western Michigan. As you know, Western Michigan, one of only two teams in uh, FBS that's undefeated right now, sitting at 11-0. and They're taking on a Toledo team that's no punk, Emil. They're 9-2, and and this could be a situation where Western Michigan feeling pressure, and we've seen this over the years with those mid-major types, uh, feeling a little bit of pressure, get uh, end up getting punched in the mouth uh, unexpectedly. So uh, I'd I mean, be very, I'd be very wary of Toledo. Um, the, they, they took one conference loss, which was kind of a semi-rivalry game that we you know with Ohio. They lost a close one. Um, their only other loss was at BYU in a 55-53 game. And BYU, as we've talked about, with their schedule, BYU is a solid football team. I mean, you go look at the schedule BYU played, and. Uh, you know they're nothing to 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 look past. I mean they're seven and four. They're a very solid team. Probably going to finish eight and four. Um, I would not look past Toledo in this game, and I would not be surprised if Toledo somehow wins this game. 
Yeah, I, I I would not either. So for uh, you though, you folks out there that hang out in casinos, hey, it might be worth throwing a little change on Toledo on the money line. I think if Western Michigan covers this number, uh, I, I think if Western Michigan wins this game, they cover the number and they probably do so quite handily. But if Toledo is going to be inside of the seven points that Western Michigan's favored, I think they win the football game. So uh, just my little yeah, I kind of agree there. Yep. Yeah, thrown out there to the folks. Uh, this, is a, this is another good one. Louisville uh, may have lost everything that they were fighting for other than, you know, a, a Heisman Trophy for their quarterback. At 9-2, and two, they're going to be taking on Kentucky, who, these, you know, this rivalry has meant something in years past. Uh, I've seen Louisville be the better team several times in this matchup, and, and things kind of went sideways for them as they took on Kentucky. Kentucky, uh, you know, not – not what anyone would say is, you know, one of the top football teams in their conference, but they they have an ability to put up points and turn this thing into a complete shootout. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, and I kind of look at 26 point favorite in this game. I kind of look at Kentucky and say that, you know, the coach there is doing what I expect him to do now. He's doing a good job. Kentucky's winning games that they can win. They've got six wins. They've won the games they can win. I don't think they're at the point of, winning games they shouldn't win. I mean, Florida, you, you know, your son's team beat them by 38 points. Uh, Tennessee hung 49 on them. My concern is can they stop Louisville? And if Louisville gets rolling and starts having fun and says, ah, you know what, let's just let's just blow them out for the hell of it. Is it one of those where, where Jackson puts up 63 points and, we, you know, we got we got ourselves a 63-28 final? That You know, that's my concern trying to figure this one out. I'll tell you, the score that popped in my head was like 63-38. And, and I think, you know, if you're someone that's, you know, jumped on Louisville in this contest, and you know, and I mean, from a from a from that standpoint, imagine that outcome. You know, Louisville, like I said, the twenty six point favorite, sixty three thirty eight, is Louisville winning by twenty five? This might be one of those where you put a hole in the television. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's, it's a huge number. I think Kentucky will score some points, although Louisville's pretty solid defensively when they, you know, most of the time this year. But I think Kentucky can score. I think this game might get a little like a racehorsey game, as you described, because of the fact that uh, Louisville likes to play offense. Uh, they've lost a lot of the things they were looking for with that loss to Houston. So they might just start. It might be an effort game on defense. I'm not sure. You know, they might you might get a crazy score like that. I'm going to skip a couple of these big ones because I'll, you know, we'll end the previews with that. Michigan State and Penn State, though, Emil, is there any, is this a dangerous game for Penn State? They're 12 point favorites. Uh, Michigan State in the middle of one of their worst years in in uh, in, in recent history, uh, sitting there at three and eight. But is this a dangerous game for for Penn State? Well, it's dangerous in this sense. I, I mean, you know, obviously Michigan State's only got three wins and. You know, you look at, you know, the last, they had a big string of, I think they lost at 1.7 in a row this year. But when you really go through, you know, there's a lot of games there where 24-21 in overtime to Indiana. Uh, You know, they lost to Michigan 32-23. Illinois beat them 31-27. Ohio State 17-16. So, I mean, they could play tight in this game. And if, if Penn State's playing for something, they'll know after that noon game, they could tighten up in this game. I would not lay 12.5 points thinking just because Penn State needs the game, they're going to blow them out. Uh, from what I saw from Penn State playing against Indiana, and even last week when they beat Rutgers, it took them a while to really blow Rutgers out. I mean, it started going like a snowball down a hill from the mid-second quarter on. But for the first quarter and a half, they were kicking field goals, and the score was like 6 nothing. I'm thinking to myself, have you guys watched the film of Rutgers? 
I mean, this yeah. is Rutgers, man. Right, this is Rutgers. Uh, check the Ohio State and Michigan games and then ask yourself exactly what the hell is going on. What do you on? think you about this cool. game? I mean, how do you feel? I mean, I, I think Penn State could I come think into the this problem. game a Michigan little tight. Michigan State has nothing to play for other than just to play football right now. And Penn State, like you said, something different. Um, you know, scenarios could play itself out beforehand, but um, I think a lot of it might might, you know, depend on what does happen in that Ohio State. Michigan game so a tough game to pick from that standpoint because you know if you're on Penn State and uh, the game against Michigan State ends up being for a whole lot of something it could just change the way that the game is played so for those of you out there listening you do have to consider that part of it your school's at home in that big rivalry game I don't know how big it is Notre Dame's four and seven coming in with all all types of uh, stuff laying around them what's going on with the team having a bad year what's going on with the head coach uh, you had to vacate some wins, so as it stands right now, Notre Dame's having a hell of a season when you compare it to the two other seasons that have just been destroyed by some uh, academic um, allegations against them. Four wins is more than anything that, uh, according to the NCAA, they've had in the 2012-13 season and 13-14 season, Amos, so it's a great year for Notre Dame. Don't get me. Uh, you you don't want to get me. You're, are you trying to get me off on a tangent with the changing history stuff again? Can the NCAA please stop with that silly Knock it thing? off, okay? Uh, we yeah. saw them win those games. We saw them win the games. Yeah, just tell them write a check. You got a fine of twenty million. You want to stop? No, man. Cheating? Take some scholarships like you do from everyone else, like you do to USC. Right, take like some you scholarships do to when they screw up. Why does yeah. Notre Dame get to keep their full allotment of scholarship players, and you do something silly like uh, try to erase the uh, the, the record books? Well, and you want to know the funniest thing, Chad? Watch when the game is played. Uh, now, maybe not this year because they're they're appealing. The next time USC plays Notre Dame, they'll show the series record, right? They'll show the real series record, and then they'll put two stars on ABC and say, uh, Notre Dame was forced to vacate uh, two wins from this series in 2012. Yeah, so basically they're, they're telling uh, you. Only the people that, that have newly arrived to this country or the planet Earth will uh, have to look at that and say, oh, uh, the rest of us saw oh. them win the games. Yes. Anyway, this game, I have a pick on it. Um, it is a great rivalry, the greatest intersectional rivalry in the history of college football. A lot of history here. Uh, over the years, you know, there's been some times where you can toss those records and everything else into the Pacific Ocean if you're near it and where we are this year. So I'm going to make a pick on this game later. I can pick this game for you, but uh, there's always a chance that you could shock me here. So I'm looking forward uh, to that one. Utah and Colorado, I happen to have a pick on. I don't know where you stand on that. Um, I want to hear your pick. I was. This is a game I have, I have a very hard time reading. I mean, Utah lost a hell of a lot last week when they went out there and somehow, you know, crapped the bed against Oregon at home losing with 2 seconds left 30 to 28. So, you know, I say to myself, they're a well-coached team, they're a gritty team Utah. They're a pain in the ass to play. But what kind of coach is he? We're going to see this week cuz there's a tendency for kids to just, you know, say the hell with it. You know, we just lost the division. We're going on the road. This is a rivalry game and people who don't follow West Coast football when these two teams got together in this conference, these two teams butt against each other. These two states, they fight for recruits in that part of the country. It's a rivalry game, and I'm just wondering what Utah brings to this party. And yeah, Colorado's so I, you been, know, as I said, I'm going uh, yeah. to have a pick on that one. This game I thought was going to be interesting, maybe about two or three weeks ago, Tennessee on the road versus Vanderbilt. But I think by way of Florida beating LSU and putting Tennessee out of the SEC championship game contention, 
Um, I think it changes things. And now Tennessee can get the pressure. There's no pressure for them in this game. It's just simply go out and beat Vanderbilt. And where if the, you know, had Florida lost to LSU and this carrot was still dangling in front of Tennessee, I thought this would be a more difficult game for them. But as it stands now, I think Tennessee's probably uh, going to go out and, 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 and beat Vanderbilt and probably cover this number, which is seven and a half. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, you it. always have to gulp when you take Vanderbilt because, you know, they're, they're another team. They play hard, but, man, do they struggle offensively. They play some defense there, but the concern when you're playing a team like Tennessee is if you're not putting up some points and Tennessee gets that offense rolling and they're not turning it over, I think your defense wears out. So I'm like you. I don't know if it'll be a complete blowout, but I think it'll be a game where, where Tennessee slowly, slowly, slowly just pulls away and covers that number at the end. Yeah, South Carolina-Clemson, a game I have a pick on. Uh, I find this matchup to be very, very interesting. I don't know where you stand. I do on. as well. Oh, boy, here we go. Hey, we're going head-on-head, head, huh? Yeah, going to be some okay. fun on that one. And the last one to talk about here, obviously I don't have a pick on it, but I will say this, man, Florida State at 7.5, uh, that's, that's a lot of money there. That's a lot of cheese on this spread against Florida, uh, against Florida in this rivalry game. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll, for full disclosure, I'll be rooting for Florida, of course, in the game like I do. Um, that said, I mean, the number makes me take pause and say, are they trying to hook me here? I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering what Florida – yeah, I'm kind of wondering what Florida has in the tank here. You know, I mean, they that was a very emotional win, as you know, last week. They won their division. They're in the SEC title game. Yes, this is a rivalry game, but – you know, it's on the road. They've got to dial that up again, and I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, you'll talk about that and when your guests come on, if they're coming on this morning, I don't know. But, I mean, I, I would wonder where their injury status is. They had a couple kids banged up going into last week. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to make a pick on it. I'm just saying I'm very – my eyebrows are going to make a pick, thing. what would it be? Honestly, I'll be rooting for Florida. I'd probably take Florida State in this game. Okay. Um, yeah, I just know the, the folks around Florida, the thought process for them is that, uh, you know, there's an outside chance that if you do win this game against Florida State and then you go beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, then you do have a chance to play in the college football playoff. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If things break the right way. No, I'm not saying Florida's going to lay down here. I don't think they're going to lay down by any means. I'm just concerned, like I said. I can't, they could be drained. Play, I play they could be drained after yeah, they an could emotional be drained. Could be drained. That's all. Yeah. I'm all right. We uh, we need to take a break. It's uh, time to talk some NFL. The college football picks from both Emil and I will come up at the uh, end at the bottom of the hour. As we, uh, as you know, if you've been listening, we uh, lump it all together. We we do the NFL and college football picks together. So hang in there, and uh, we'll be right back. We're going to be talking NFL football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. 
One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Definitely that time of year. Now's the time to get free health insurance for you and your loved ones. Primary care insurance is now enrolling individuals into their Obamacare insurance plan. So call today, 954-278-8696. That's right, free health insurance. Obamacare is now available from November 1st to January 31st. But it's urgent that you call today, 954-278-8696. Tell them you heard it on the Gridiron Stud Show. Open enrollment only comes once a year. This means that the government is willing to pay you for your health insurance needs. So don't miss out on your opportunity. The time to get free health insurance for you and your family is now. So please call 954-278-8696. Again, 954-278-8696. Or visit their website, OptimumNationalInsurance.com. That's OptimumNationalInsurance.com. All right, Emil. It's... uh, on to the NFL here for us. We talked a little bit about it in our opening segment. Um, some pretty good games yesterday. Even the even a Lions Minnesota Vikings game gave us some uh, you know some some intrigue if you're into close football games, some, which is what yeah, you ended up thrill. having. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah had a, uh, they had a nice ball game there. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it was mentioned during the game, but what what was the Lions' recent record in uh, in Thanksgiving games? I, I, you know, there's been people out there that have like said it's you know can we get the lions do they have to play every thanksgiving can we get someone else in there that just haven't been a big performer you know what uh you you won't remember this because this is where our little five-year age difference will affect you but back in the mid-70s you were probably about i'm old enough i was eight or nine at the time might have been 76 77 Mm -hmm. they tried that one year they, they they had a goofy game i still you can look it up i think the dolphins played the st louis cardinals at the time Oh, good so they've grief. tried this. Yeah, it just doesn't work. I mean, at the end of the day, people are used to that. They've added the third game for the, to get other teams involved. But let's face it, new, 12.30 Eastern time, Thanksgiving Day, you know you're going to see the Lions play somebody, and at 4 or 4.30, you know you're going to see the Cowboys play something, somebody. I like the tradition. I really do. Yeah, I do too. I don't mind if it's the Lions. You know, um, They've had some down years, obviously. They've never really been big time. Um, how long has it been for the Lions? Um, 58, 50, you know, 57. Bobby Lane. <laughs> yeah, Bobby I, Lane I mean, for the Lions and Otto Graham for the Browns. <laughs> yeah, but do you have to be on course for the Super Bowl to play on Thanksgiving? I don't think so. Uh, those two teams provided us with a, you know, a good dramatic matchup yesterday. Yeah, it was, a good, it was a good ball game. 
And they don't yeah, like each so other. That was the beauty of it. They put some games on early, especially. I mean, obviously, the Spewers, Colts, they tried to get some other teams involved. But at least with the two mainstays, they put division rivals on. That's what I like to see. Frankly, if you're going to put the teams on Thanksgiving, make it a game that they're familiar with one another so the preparation isn't as big of a deal. Because I think when you put these games on, like, say, the Cowboys-Dolphins, you put the Dolphins at a tremendous disadvantage. They don't know the Cowboys. They play them every four years. They're going down there on short rest, uh, traveling, at least in a division game with the two they gave us yesterday. They play each other every year forever for twice a year, so they know each other. The preparation is not some big deal where they don't know the other the, the opponent, and it makes for better games, apparently. Yeah, uh, no doubt. That was pro- that was probably the best thing that they did there. So it was good to have both of those early games, which are the traditional games. Uh, it's only been in recent years that they've provided us with a primetime matchup, um, which kind of goes to me. To be honest with you, Emil, uh, if I'm just speaking honestly, I could have done without the the 8:30 game. I could have done without the the, the Steelers Colts game. Just leave it traditionally how it was: a 12:30 game and a 4 4:30 game, or however the heck it goes. Uh, we didn't need that night game. Could have shoved that one to Sunday. If you had well, to. when I'm laying around um, eating turkey, and unlike you, having a few bourbons, mm-hmm. uh, I become a football junkie, so I didn't need the 8.30 game as long as I had a college game. I needed something because I wasn't going to lay there and watch the first 48 all night. I mean, I had right. give me the college. Give, give me the college yeah. game and let that go without competition. But, uh, you know, it's the NFL, so they're going to fill every slot possible. I think when my kids are my age, there's going to be an NFL game every night. It's seven days. So uh, just Listen, crazy. they're on to something because apparently the whole ratings thing, maybe they were right and we were wrong because it seems like the ratings came back as soon as the election ended. So, you know, I, I, I'll admit when I'm wrong here, and so far from what I can see from the data I've been reading now weekly, uh, it appears that, that a big chunk of what happened to the ratings was the election. So I made fun of you, Commissioner Goodell. Maybe you were right and I was wrong. Yeah, Cowherd had been saying that for a while, that uh, it's just really about it's the Trump factor. But, yeah, there's a lot of NFL football, man. And like I said, when my kids are my age, there will be uh, an NFL game every day, and the games will be played in uh, in about 11 to 12 different countries. That's just kind of where we're headed with this thing. So, Well, uh, and speaking you know, of the games yesterday, I think I texted you yesterday during the yeah. game. And, um, yeah. you know, th- I think yesterday's game, especially that Cowboy game, is a prime teaching example for our listeners who do not listen to the show, nor some of them who don't subscribe to the way you and I have thought for a long time. Because if you watch that Redskin-Cowboy game, and I, I think that what I said to you was, and I put this on my Facebook page, go back in NFL history, if you could somehow find a database to let you do this, and punch in quarterbacks who have thrown for more than 400 yards, their team has rushed for, say, less than 75 yards, and they've allowed the opponent to run for more than 150 yards. Find me one that won. It's going to be yeah, pretty hard. Yeah, I don't even know if you need that part uh, about what the opponent did. Like, when you get to throwing 400, uh, I mean, that means you you were probably behind. And, uh, you know, that was a big problem. I, I'm, you know, I was a Ram fan growing up, and I remember a guy coming from Canada named Dieter Brock. And Dieter Brock in a game. Yes through for 500 and something yards. I thought that was outstanding, and that was great. But if memory serves correct, the Rams lost that game. And so, you know, for all those yards he threw for, and I was happy about this guy and his individual thing, I, you know, I, I remember being sad because Rams took an L on that, that day. I'll have to research 
that I, I have a good friend up here who's a, a diehard Redskin fan. He's a little older than me. He's like he's like you. You know, we're we're good buddies. And uh, his son is maybe 23. Kid's got a job in New York now uh, with Goldman Sachs. He's a you know an analyst. Mm-hmm. So he's a big Redskin fan. His dad passed it down to him, and he's texting me yesterday saying. You know, uh, we really he he liked Dallas, the way Dallas played, but boy, we've really improved. And I said, listen, his name is Jake. Jake, there's no doubt about it. The Redskins are improved. But I said, just take this from someone that's a little older than you. When I was your age, I would be real excited about that game yesterday. But I said, as I've aged, I realized one thing: your quarterback gave you a lot of thrills. He made the game very fun and interesting. And if you played fantasy football, you'll love him. But when you're throwing it 53 times and running the ball for 56 yards, you're going to lose a lot of games against good teams. Something bad's happening. All right, as we've uh, done recently, we're not going to go through the slate of games here. It's just um, not good radio. Uh, The (laughs) biggest, yeah, not very good radio to go slepping through here. And and then we're going to sit in and have a discussion about the Bengals taking on the Ravens. Just not going to do that to our audience. However, though, um, the biggest game, I think left on the slate's got to be that Sunday nighter, which, uh, you know, we're talking about the NFL and their ratings and when they put games. They've done a good job with Sunday night games, and they've got another good one. Kansas City Chiefs at 7-3 and three going to face the Broncos at 7-3. and three. I don't know if you have a pick on this game, um, but, uh, you know, for some reason I kind of like Denver in this one. Do you? I do. You sound like well, you got Tell me pick. why, because I have a pick. I can't wait to hear your, your logic. Feel like thunder. Go ahead. Um, I'm not feeling. I'm just not feeling good about the Chiefs. I mean, they struggled. Listen, here's the last three weeks. Uh, a struggle to beat the Jaguars at home. Um, then you go play the Panthers, who have been a little bit of a disaster lately, and you had to do something really crazy. You pull that out of you know where in the last two three minutes, and then uh, you go and lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like something's going on there with Kansas City right now that I just don't like. You're on the road at night uh, at mile high. And, you know, I just think Denver right now probably playing a little bit better football. I know you're not in love with Trevor Simeon, but I just I'm feeling Denver in this. one. I like what Denver does usually defensively, and I like the home field advantage. I believe they're coming off a bye coming into this week. So you'll have to just wait and see what I think. Yeah, well, that time is fast approaching. All right. That's the only game I really wanted to talk about. Um, you know, if anyone else what wanted about to talk Patriots about it. Jets, you just want to blow off that little rivalry? I want to blow that off. Um, you know, the Jets have been a thorn in the side for the New England Patriots. And to be quite frank with you, Emil, if, if the Patriots struggle with the Jets in this contest, I'm going to have something to say about it. Because, you know, I've been wanting to slide them out of that number three spot in my top five NFL teams rankings and throw the Raiders in there. And I'm telling you, if they've got a problem with the Jets on Sunday – um, Raiders probably going to be my number three team when we uh, give out our NFL. I'm going to warn the audience. Chad used to be a Rams fan. If any of you haven't picked up on that years ago, he, he, he gave up his Rams card when Eric Dickerson got traded. So that's a Definitely. long time. I October know that Chad, let, let's not forget. Yes. Uh, Chad's got an assortment. He's a closet fan. He's got some Cowboy stuff in his closet. I know he won't tell us some Seahawks stuff. I have a feeling he's added some Raiders NFL gear worn by Chad Wilson. He's added some Raiders stuff. And I think he even keeps a little orange dolphin cap around. So when he drives around town and they're winning, nobody, nobody throws him the finger when he's driving. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to stay free of all that stuff for certain reasons, but nevertheless, you know what I like? You know what I'm a fan of? Uh, I'm a fan of organizations that get run right, and they make the right moves. I'm kind of on that thing. And then, you know, I like anyone playing defense. I just like good football. So right now the Raiders are doing that. But 
Hey, let's get yep. into this fantasy football thing uh, that we've done every week. Right now, I'm on a nice little back-to-back streak. So, Emil, you better step up this week or we're looking at this thing all tied up. And then, you know, I, the big momentum is going to be on my side. So, Uncle uh, Mo. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have that flying with me. Real quick, as you do every week, just explain to our new listeners here what's going on with the Fantasy Football Focus, sponsored by FanDuel.com, by the way. Head over to FanDuel.com and enter uh, the daily fantasy football craze. Use the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS for a nice little bonus to get started. But, Emil, tell us what we're doing here. Well, Chad and I said, how can we make this some good radio? We're not going to pick nine players. So we said, let's pick a quarterback, running back, and a wide receiver for you guys out there. We're going to cap ourselves at 21000 for our roster because, obviously, it doesn't take much of a genius to pick the top player at every position every week. Sure. Try to give you guys some value with, with guys that we see as maybe sneaking in there. Every once in a while, we throw a guy that isn't value in there, but we have to come in 21000 total. We add up the points every week, and we have a game going against one another. So, you know, what, you know, my record right now is four and three. Amazingly, I won the first four weeks of this. Chad won the last three. So it's a big week this week. He can tie me, and, uh, you know, then we'll be playing the last quarter of the season to see who wins this thing. So we try to give you guys just a little perspective and value here in, in, in picking some people for your fantasy games this Sunday. Well, why don't you go first this week? Uh, and, you know, as as always, I'll, I'll uh, give you the, the price tag on these guys that you're picking. Okay. It's only 9 o'clock in Pennsylvania. I, I really should have a shot of bourbon as I'm giving this one out. I'm going to gulp hard. I'm going to take a quarterback here that your brother just seems to love, but the rest of us not so much. I'm going to take Ryan Tannehill. He just Tannehill. pokes us all in the side with this. But, I think you know, he does, too. <laughs> but, but I'm going to take Ryan Tannehill. Um, the, the 49ers come into this game. They're one and nine. They're not playing very well. They're traveling across the country. They're playing a one o'clock game, which means in their heads it's ten o'clock. I'm not sure if it matters what time they play, but it doesn't help. And Tannehill's just due to go. No, he's just due to go off. I mean, he has these games every once in a while where he'll give you hope that he can be a franchise quarterback. This might be one of them. You might see him throw for three fifty, three touchdowns, no picks. I just have a feeling it's going to be Ryan Tannehill week in Miami. Well, Tannehill's going to cost you 7100 at FanDuel. Who's your running back okay. this week? Well, this week, uh, I'm going back to an old study because I saw something that uh, the Raiders did to the Broncos, and I think that will be the Chiefs' line of attack here. The Broncos are very good at playing the passing game. They get after the quarterback with Miller and Ware. They have great defensive backs. The way you want to go at the Broncos is those guys like to rush the passer. Many times they don't like to play the run as much. So you run at them. That's what the Raiders did. I think the Chiefs are built that way as well. They're going to want to run the football. So I'm going with Spencer Ware here as as a play in Denver against well, I uh, like the Broncos. That. I, li- so, I like to use a little straight-up football strategy. For a coach like myself, I, I, I enjoy that. Spencer Ware is going to cost you seven grand at FanDuel this okay. week. And then finally, a guy that kind of flies under the radar because everybody not named Marcus Mariota and DeMarco Murray fly under the radar in Tennessee. (laughs) I don't know. I still only know about 10 guys on that roster. But Mariota's been having a nice year quietly, and he has to throw the ball to somebody. And that somebody for me is going to be Rashard Matthews. I think think the Bears, you could pretty much stick a fork in them. Uh, after After that loss to the Giants last week, they're beat up. They're tired. They're thinking about fishing trips. Uh, that's not a good formula when you're playing a hungry young team like the Titans. Uh, so I mean, I think Matthews is going to go off for a touchdown or two here and have a nice game in the Windy City for Tennessee. 
Yeah, uh, Rashard Matthews, an underrated uh, wide receiver, in my opinion, did good work here at the uh, at the Miami Dolphins. He's going to cost you sixty two hundred at FanDuel this weekend. So the roster is in Tannehill, Weir, and Matthews for my man Emil Calamino, trying to break a little losing streak here. Here's what I'm going with. Um, uh, the Bills are going to be hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you looked at uh, Jaguars rookie Jalen Ramsey, who was moved to tears on the sideline last week, things just aren't going very good in Jacksonville, and that's just been the history there. This is uh, Jacksonville from Florida heading to Buffalo uh, on November. I just don't know how motivated they're going to be. Too cold. We suck. Um, and Tyrod Taylor coming off of a not-so-great game. Uh, I think he bounces back in this one. Bills are seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I think if the Bills are going to cover this number, as I think they will, I think Tyrod Taylor has to play well. So I like him to uh, put up some numbers in this game. And uh, they may get Sammy Watkins back. So uh, a good, I think a good setup here for Tyrod Taylor. It's yeah, you I, I like that logic. Yeah, 7,700 yeah, for Tyrod Taylor. Running back-wise, hey, we didn't talk much about that matchup. Uh, between the Jets and the Patriots. But you know what? Hey, LeGarrette Blount's been laying low for a little bit. I think it's Blount time as we head uh, back to New York with the New England Patriots. Um, I, this looks like the kind of game where you feed this guy. You know, the Jets have been a thorn in the side. Nothing like getting rid of a thorn in the side by getting extremely and totally physical with them. So I don't know what Gronkowski's availability is this week, but I think LeGarrette Blount's going to be the guy um, that you rely on. It's always tough to take uh, a running back for the New England Patriots because they do a bunch of different things there. But I think Blount's the man this week. So I'm going to go with him. 6800 he's going to cost you at FanDuel. And then wide receiver-wise, I'm going to slide over to the game happening in the Big Easy as the Rams, fresh off of uh, giving up a game uh, last week against the Miami Dolphins, are traveling to, to face the Saints. And uh, this might be, a, a, I think, a good game for Drew Brees. The Rams play good defense, but they played great defense last week and lost anyway. They may, they may fall apart a little bit on that side of the ball. Um, I like Drew Brees and friends to put up some, put up some points and move the ball here. And I, I think Willie Sneed is going to be a big beneficiary to that. So I'm going to roll with him. He's 6,400. I think that's a good value for wow. you this week out of the wide receiver. So there you go. Taylor, Blount, and Sneed for me. And that's uh, your. I like it. I like those picks. I mean, I, I have my work cut out for me. You're really yeah, making well, this we'll hard. You never know how these things shake down. Nothing like having a guy, and then a quarter into the game, he's uh, you see him on the sidelines getting worked on. Never good when that happens. But seems to uh, happen, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the comings and goings of uh, fantasy football. So again, folks, uh, if you're listening and you're not a member right now, head on over to FanDuel.com. Get yourself signed up with some daily fantasy football sports. It's uh, it's great. You can enter for one five. Um, and the prizes can come back in the thousands for you. So if you're good at this thing, um, you got a chance to make yourself some little money uh, messing around with something that you really love, and that's football. Um, and so, uh, or basketball. They've got they've got a, a number of sports there for you. They even had soccer recently. So jump on over there. Head over to FanDuel.com. Use the promo code Gridiron Studs and get yourself a nice bonus. All right, Amel, it's time to lay out all the picks. You're going to be the man to go up first, and we're and you got to fly through this thing as I got to get my next guest on. So. Uh, let's let's get it all cranked up for you. Let us know what we're working with this weekend. Ready to go. Okay, here we go. First, we're going to start college football, of course. Uh, big game hunting. I'm going in, in the big game, and I'm going to take the Michigan Wolverines plus the six and a half against Ohio State. Ooh. This game was never going to be a track meet, so I'm not sure that the quarterback matters as much as people are making it out to be. They're going to try to play this in a phone booth, make it ugly. I think it's going to be a low-scoring, tight game. I'll take Michigan plus the six and a half. 
going out to the Coliseum in L.A. I hate doing this to my team. I feel like I'm jinxing them. But you know what? I have a feeling USC is just going to open a can on Notre Dame this week. They're given 17 and a half. I hate laying that in a rivalry game. But you know what? USC, nobody wants to mess with them right now. Yeah, I need that Alabama. Yeah, I mean, that's, I see that one going ugly on you. USC minus 17 and a half. Then we go to the big game down in South Carolina. Clemson's playing for everything, right? They're going to the playoffs. But guess what? This game's always tight. It's always tight. And they're giving you 24 points with a very good defensive South Carolina team. I'm going to grab all 24 of those points. Give me the cheese. I'll take the Gamecocks plus 24. We move over the NFL. The Atlanta Falcons, they love to play offense. Oh, yeah, they do. But the Arizona is just a team that they're always tight. They play close games. They play good defense. And then they figure out a way to lose this year. I don't know why, but they do. I'll grab the five points. I think that game comes down to a field goal. Moving down to South Florida where you guys are, uh, you know, there's nothing. There's not much to say here. I'm just taking the Dolphins minus 7.5. I, I, they're playing good football. They won five in a row. They win ugly sometimes, but they win. I don't think the 49ers are interested in this game. I think they get blown out. Dolphins minus seven and a half. Finally, the big game at night. Uh, Chad, he likes Denver, not me. Kansas City Chiefs played bad three weeks in a row, but you know what? They're just the type of team that I think will give Denver fits running that football. It'll be a tight game. A little guy with the shoe wins it. I'll take Kansas City plus three and a hook. Yep, there you go. The picks are in. Here's what I'm rolling with this weekend, Emil. Uh, West Virginia taking on Iowa State. Eh, a little bit of a up and down lately for, for West Virginia, but I like them in this contest. Uh, Iowa State went out there and did something crazy last week. I don't think they're going to be able to, to, to battle back from that mentally. I mean, they went out and beat Texas Tech 66-10. to 10. They're probably still on this day wondering what the hell happened. They'll be brought back to reality by a West Virginia team that's uh, looking to get to the best bowl game possible. I like them as a seven-point favorite, and you can correct me on any of these lines if I'm wrong. Sure, I'll give you the lines. You're right right on. Go ahead. uh, Pac-10 battle, Utah and Colorado. Listen, you've got to be amazed by what Colorado's been able to do uh, this season. You've got to just, you know, tip your hat to them. But right now, uh, I think making them a 10-point favorite in, in, in this game is just territory that they uh, probably don't belong in. Utah's a tough team. Um, they're going to take that as a slap in the face. And so Utah, with their tough football, I just don't think you can give them 10 points. So I'm going to back Utah on this one. And then uh, the, uh, the, the, the game in South Carolina that you and I are both on, we happen to both be on, on the same side. I am going to back South Carolina. Look, Clemson just hasn't done regular season football too well. And this is going to be a tough game for them. I think South Carolina is going to be keyed up, gamed up for this game. And I think this game's going to be mighty, mighty close, like really, really close. So I'm going to like South Carolina getting all types of points in this contest. Sliding over to the NFL, uh, the Oakland Raiders. I think the uh, I think the whole train continues there with them. I love the kind of football that they're playing right now. They're taking on a Carolina Panthers team that's just not uh, they're just not it. You know, the only thing is this line kind of scares me a little bit, but uh, I'm just not going to get psyched out by it. I'm going to go with the better team, Oakland at home, laying three points against a, a four and six Panthers team. I'm just not going to look that gift horse in the mouth. And uh, I talked about this game, the uh, Rams hosting, I mean, the uh, Saints hosting the Rams in this one, both teams four and six. The oddsmakers have made this seven and a half. I think they've done so for a reason. I just kind of feel like last week was uh, was the punch in the face for the Rams that might have just stumbled them. It's time 
for a, a new head coach over there. That's going to be apparent after this game. I just think the Saints run away with this one. And uh, it's a nice little blowout. And they can start thinking about who next is going to coach the Rams. And then uh, I'm going to side with you on the game locally down here. The Dolphins back uh, uh, back at home taking on the uh, the San Francisco 49ers who are 1-9. and nine. It's a 10 a.m. start. Um, these guys are down here uh, on a holiday weekend. Someone's sneaking out of their hotel rooms and hitting South Beach and everywhere else for San Francisco. What are you playing for? I just don't think they show up for this game. I like the Dolphins in a runaway. And that's how it goes for us, folks. Oakland, New Orleans, Miami in the NFL. So that's it, Emil. The picks are in. Wow, you and I agree twice in the same weekend on a pick. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know Here if that's go. good or bad. I have, I have no Neither idea. I. We'll certainly find out, man. Uh, I'm going to be hitting the road for a playoff game uh, in Orlando tonight and then uh, heading, to, heading to Tallahassee for the uh, big game between Florida and Florida State. I wish you much luck in both places. Safe travels. I'll see everybody on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Lots of football, lots of extra turkey, hopefully laying around for you guys today. There you go. All right, Amos out. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, Nick Delatore joins me from GatorCountry.com to talk the big Florida-Florida State matchup. Stay with us. We'll be right back on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. All those bells, it's 9.15. Whatever that means. But nevertheless, uh, it's time to talk Florida Gators football and Florida State football at the same time. I get a two-for-one this week when I bring on my next guest. And he's from Gator Country, Nick Delatore, joining me as he does every week to talk Florida Gators football. Big one here in the rivalry. Um, You know what? We don't know... The uh, national championship is not really on the line in this one, but this game just really feels big, doesn't it, Nick? Yeah, I think this is a game um, I talked last week, maybe Florida's been a necklace kind of at a crossroads. I think this is another game where um, you try to take the temperature of your program and kind of see where you're going. This is a game that's big in the state. Uh, it's big for recruiting. 
And um, last week might have been Jim McElwain's signature win, but can you put it together two weeks in a row? Yeah, um, definitely. I don't know if you were listening uh, when I had my my co-host on with me earlier. He uh, seems to kind of feel like Florida's tank might be empty after that win uh, in the dramatic fashion in Baton Rouge last week. Do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, I disagree. I think the the way that you win that game – you don't see a lot of walk-off goal line stands. It's not supposed to happen. When you have a running backs like LSU um, or an offensive line, a quarterback like LSU, you're supposed to get in from third and one uh, at, at the goal line. So you don't see that happen a lot. I think Florida was able to take that momentum and kind of carry it in. There's also a lot of uh, – I think Florida State, their senior class is currently 7-0 and against Miami and Florida. They've yeah. never had a senior class go undefeated against Miami and Florida. Um, so there's a lot of momentum that Florida has. There's a lot of guys on Florida's team that have never beaten Florida State. Uh, that was something that um, Quincy Wilson and Jalen Tabor talked about after LSU. We're 0-2 against LSU. We can't go out 0-3. FSU's another team they haven't beat. Uh, I think that Florida has used that momentum the way they beat LSU carried it into this week of practice and I think you'll see a motivated team. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Um, they should be motivated. Um, uh, yeah, a game like last week can does have the potential to drain you, but no time for that right now. Um, Florida using a lot of long, uh, young players right now and I just think with what's at stake um, they can't afford to really do that. Another thing for Quincy Wilson is he's got his dad in his ear letting him know that, listen, uh, I was 2-1 and one in my career at Miami against Florida State. So if you really want to walk around for the rest of your life with a collar against Florida State and listen to me, you better do something. Tell your, tell your friends you play well. Do something because you just don't want to hear it from me every day for the rest of my life. Uh, yeah, I heard Quincy Wilson's dad does talk about yeah, definitely uh, do that. Listen, let's talk about this part, uh, Nick. Uh, you know, obviously that's a big win last week against LSU, um, shutting down, you know, their their offense um, and, and doing well against it, which looks even better considering what LSU went out and did on a short week at Texas A&M yesterday. But uh, now there's outside talk that if Florida can come get a win against Florida State and then knock off Alabama, they have an outside chance to be in this playoff. Uh, how much has that been talked about? Um, I think it's hard not to talk about. Also, after we, uh, we asked him about it, he said, if we keep winning, I don't know how you keep us out. Um, I think it could, be, it could be interesting. If you beat Alabama, I don't know how you keep them out. But I don't know how you keep Alabama out of of the playoffs, even, you know, at a level one. Um, it's talked about, but – uh, you know, people are saying you can't talk about that as a distraction, uh, this and that. It's not a distraction because if you're talking about the playoffs, that means you have to beat FSU this week. So it's not like you're overlooking FSU to say we have to beat Alabama. You have to win this week too. Um, and I think there's just so much at stake with Florida, Florida State, such a, um, a big game. It means so much because all of these players on both rosters have grown up together, have played against each other, played with each other. Um, went on recruiting trips together. Um, growing up in South Florida, this is 300 – as soon as the clock hits zero, you hit the reset button on 365 days of bragging rights, and you have to hear about that result until there's a new result. 
Um, I don't think there's any way you go into a matchup, a Florida Florida State game, overlooking your opponent, um, even yeah, if absolutely. you're talking about it, the college especially football Especially in the playoffs. day of, uh, of social media, Nick. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a terrible thought to have to deal with that for 365 days. You know, I've seen a number of tweets. Some of them are good. Uh, my buddy Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation put up a poll this week, which was the favorite points that uh, Florida scored last year in the game against Florida State, the first point or the second point. So stuff like that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, and that was a goodie from, from uh, Bud Elliott poking the, poking the Florida Gator fans over there. I've noticed this over the last two weeks, uh, Nick. I, I watched Austin Appleby and the offense against South Carolina and LSU, and I watched them move the ball and do some good things. But between those two games, it's only netted 36 points. There's a chance that there could be a breakout game here, but what are your thoughts on the offense in the last two games, or at least the offense under Austin Appleby? Um, I think that they did a good job. You only had one time board. So Ford has had all season. Um, I don't know what it is. They let one three and out turn into a, a string of them, and, and that's what happened. They had two ten play drives to start the to start the game against uh, LSU. And then you get one three and out, and then all of a sudden there's two, and then there's three all the way into halftime. They did a good job of not letting it happen in the second half. Um, I still think it's an average offense. They've been able to, with Austin Appleby, to stay ahead of the sticks. Um, so they're not having second and, and long, third and long. They're having manageable situations on second down and third down, and that's from winning on first down. I also think that – Florida needs to play with a lead. You've seen what they can do with Jordan Scarlett and Michael P. Ryan. Um, it, Florida had receivers running over to the to to the coaches on the sidelines saying, "Hey, keep running the ball. We'll, we'll keep blocking. We see what these guys are doing right now. Keep running the ball." So I think what the offense has been able to do. I still think they're average um, at best. But what they've been able to do is Austin Appleby's arm has given at least a threat of hitting the deep ball. So it's keeping defenses honest, and that's opening things up for the running game. So Florida can get early. I thought that was the best thing that I saw last week, Uh, just the way Mm -hmm. uh, against a defense like LSU with such a dominant defensive line that Florida was able to line up. And at many times, LSU knowing a run play was coming and still crank out six, seven, eight, at times 10-plus yards on some runs. That's a huge thing if Florida can kind of turn themselves into that kind of football team. And uh, that can only be a good thing going forward. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of the identity I thought Florida would have earlier. I don't know why it took this long to kind of show that. Um, there's no make, – make no mistake about it. Luke Del Rio doesn't have the kind of arm that Austin Appleby does, but he was doing well before he got hurt. But I think this is, the, this is what you expected from Florida. They need to be a team that was going to lean on the running game um, and, and then work some play-action pass off of that. Uh, and you've got two running backs right now. It was nice to see that the only two running backs got they, – they've kind of narrowed down that uh, running back rotation that they've been using. But I think you found your two running backs. You, you have a quarterback that can keep defenses honest, and, and that might be enough, especially when you're playing uh, defense the way that they've been playing all year. Yeah, um, and, and this that, that two-man rotation is what you, I, and a lot of others have been crying for. So it's good to see it uh, materialize, especially at this point with a couple of critical games coming up as we've had to talk about for much of the year a big part of this thing for Florida are injuries 
Tell us on that front, anyone that's been out, we're expecting back, and are there any new injuries that we need to worry about in this, this game uh, on Saturday night? Um, new injury popped up, uh, or two new injuries popped up. Nick Washington um, added to the injury list uh, with an ankle injury, left ankle. Um, interesting because he was in on the last play against yeah. LSU. And I saw really when the play happened, and it was early in the game. You know, I don't know if you noticed mm-hmm. it, but early in the game on the goal line, actually on a scoring play, uh, he came up gimpy, and I, I guess he just gutted it out till the end. But, you know, after the mm-hmm. game and all the adrenaline wears off, then, my God, you start to realize, I, I'm really hurt. Yeah, adrenaline is a great thing, but when it wears off, yeah. Um, and, and also, Marquez Ivy. Um, he, he came up with a, a leg injury. I've heard he that playing? Martez will try to give it a go. Yeah, I've heard that Martez will try to give it a go. Um, that he'll travel and, and he'll be there. Florida didn't even bring um, their injured players to LSU last week. So uh, mm-hmm. I think they'll do that again. I think Martez Ivy will travel. I think he will try to play. Um, kind of see how it is before the game and give it a go. Um, kind of a game time decision. Other than that, uh, Floor's still out with you know Jared Davis, Alexander Maloney, Del Rio's out. Um, the Cox out. Same Red Cross crew. Cox out. The same Red Cross crew that they've been dealing with for the last three weeks. Yeah, nobody, um, nobody's really coming back. Brian Cox too. Uh, before hurting his ankle, was already playing with broken hand in, in that giant club. So um, I'm pretty sure he's out again this week. Yeah. Yeah, the walking wounded there for Florida. So we'll just have mm-hmm. to see if uh, if those injuries finally catch up with them or if these uh, replacements can continue to ball out of control. I mean, like David Reese has been awesome. So we'll have to see if those guys can continue to fill in and do things for us. All right, man, I, I've got to run, but I really appreciate you coming on on this holiday weekend. I, I mean, who knows how many Black Friday deals you just missed out on talking to me on this radio show. Oh, it's worth it. It's worth it, Chad. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Nick. (laughs) I'll see you up the road, man, hopefully for a Florida win. Thanks for joining us. Have a good one. All right, that was Nick DeLatore joining us here from Gridiron, uh, actually from uh, GatorCountry.com. Got myself all mixed up with my G's there, but uh, GatorCountry.com joining us here on uh, the show for all of the latest on Florida football. Go to GatorCountry.com. They've got it all, and not just not just the football. They've uh, they're on the basketball season too. Full coverage on all the sports there for uh, for GatorCountry.com. So jump on there and enjoy that. All right, I've got a slide from the Gators onto high school football as we're running speeding through the football Friday, a Black Friday football Friday edition uh, of the show here. So um, we're gonna slide right now into Florida high school football, and as we do every week, I've got my guest. From FloridaHSFootball.com on with me, Joshua Wilson. Josh, what's going on? I'm here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm on tumble toast over turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a concern when I was uh, checking up on you yesterday. If you're going to make it on the show, but uh, you you've uh, you've you've made it. All right, we've got to talk fast on this thing here. The biggest thing I wanted to, oh, well, the first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, we all know about what happened over there at St. Thomas Aquinas last week. Uh, you had a little dust up after the game between St. Thomas and Dwyer, and it had an effect possibly on this game. There are five suspensions for St. Thomas. Uh, does anyone know the names of the players, and do you think it's going to have an effect on this game against Matter Academy? Uh, no, no on the names. That 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 is something that the FHA they they cannot release that information because they're minors. It's state statute. I don't think anybody's going to know who's exactly missing until they get to the game tonight. 
when they right. start looking like, oh, wait a second, oh, this player is missing, this player is missing, that player is missing. Well, you know, the question is, is okay, which five is it? Which five of the players is it? Is it five of your good guys, or is it five of your, you know, your 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 basically your cleanup crew? You know, that's right. The, that's the question mark, you know, and and, and 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 if it's five of the if it's five of the key players, well then it, it may not affect them so much tonight against Mater, but it you know Matter Academy, but you know next week at Venice, and that's probably not a good thing. Cause no, definitely not. Right now. Um, definitely not a good thing for you there. So um, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Um, uh, for my understanding, there may be a couple of starters involved in this thing, but Pinkos has. St. Thomas by 39, so maybe it's St. Thomas by 29, huh? I guess. It's still, yeah, it's it, 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 it's still, it's still going to be a win for for St. Thomas. It's just it's next week is that your question? Because the, the good thing for St. Thomas is if they win, they host next week. You know, Venice has to come down to Fort Lauderdale, so mm-hmm. you know that's you know whoever wins Region Three, they're coming, they're coming to South Florida next week. Yeah, uh, ab- absolutely. All right, um, let's let's head up to Class 8A. Um, big one tonight in Region 4, Southridge, who's on a hist- they're on a historical pace of shutouts defensively. Um, they've not played the class of you know of Florida football of late, um, and so that could be a problem for them as they take on a Coral Gables team here that's certainly uh, a step above in competition from what they've been facing recently. Pinkos has them by one. This is going to be a pretty damn good football game. Yeah, this is a three o'clock kick, by the way. So, you know, I'll tell you what. I mean, it, it, it's this either what, but I'll tell you what. Southridge. I mean, I, I think they just they're, they're all alone right now with this with the, with the shutouts you mentioned. And I just, you know, it's it just like, who, who can South Southridge right now? Mighty Palmetto can, you know, you know, if, 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 you know, looking at this, this, all these other teams that, you know, they faced in the first, you know, in the first, you know, Southwest Miami, you know, Palmetto, you know, now you get Gables, you know, but you, you look back through the entire, the rest of the schedule, you know, you look at it, it's like their two losses were early in the season. And it's just like all of a sudden the light bulb went off and boom, I'm, I, I, I pulled a shot out here on this one. To be honest, it it it, it just it, it, you look at the trend. What's going on here? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I mean, that's going to be an amazing thing if they if they pull off the uh, the shutout and end up with a win here in this one. And you know, at this point, are you say, would you agree Southridge probably your favorite at this point to win it all? Oh yeah, so yeah, I've been mad since 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 before the first round even started. You know, give me Southridge because you know I. And, but of course, with Flanagan going out last week, you know the path is very much there for them now to take it. It's it's you know at this particular point, but I mean I still say hey, watch out for Deerfield Beach on the other side, you know because that's my that's probably that's probably Southridge is most likely opponent if they win is going to be Deerfield Beach at this particular point, you know, you know, and, and Deerfield being a twenty four point favorite in that game against Atlantic, I'll tell you what, give, give me Deerfield and Southridge next week for the South. Yeah. Uh... That's going to be a nice little matchup, but let's not uh, go putting people in the next week yet. Uh, heading down, <laughs> yeah, let's 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 slow up on that one. Class six A, uh, big one tonight. I know you've been singing the praises of Mainland. Um, you felt very good about them. They're taking on a Carroll City team that overcame uh, uh, a nemesis, um, at least for this year. Last week when they when they you know, outlasted Northwestern. Uh, we talked going, you know, last week going into that game, what a war that's going to be, and that someone's going to be worn out. And and did that game not go into overtime, Carroll City Northwestern? 
Um, for the last week, I'm not particularly sure. I don't believe it did because that 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 tough was tough game it, nonetheless. You want to talk? Yeah, it was it was a tough game. I think you know the question is is how t- you know how how much rest has Carroll City been able to get this week and to prepare for mainland because you know. Mainly, mainly had a little bit of a tough outing at first at Sebastian River, but then just pulled away. So, you know, I think for, for mainland that they kind of pulled away that they needed. Carroll City was in a four-quarter fight. You know, that's the thing. You know, I think that's the difference, you know, whereas you can put some of your you can put some of your backups in, you know, whereas Carroll City, they probably couldn't do that, you know, because right. they had to finish a game on. Right. I think that's the difference maker coming into this, and I think, you know, it's – I, you know, and, and the question is, is I, I don't think, you know, Carroll City's been in this position where they've had to go to mainland like this. You know, where Miami Central's been the key, you know, that, that team that's gone, you know, there almost every other year, it seems like. Now it's Carroll City's turn. I don't – I think the difference here is that Central knows – Central knew how to play up there. Carroll City mm-hmm. doesn't, I don't think, in this case. And I think that's the difference of giving mainland in this one. Yeah, uh, and mainland, you know, kind of a kind of a veteran uh, in this whole playoff thing. Carroll City in a little bit of new territory, so we'll just have to see how that works out. Uh, Class Five A, uh, you know, Pinkos likes us being American Heritage by fourteen over Bishop Moore, I, but I think we've got a tough game. Looking at Bishop Moore on tape, tough physical team, very disciplined, and just know how to they know how to hang around in football games and and you know you know make it make it go their way in the end. I can tell you what I think this might be a three-point game. I mean, you you look at you look at how close Bishop Morris played these games the last two weeks. <laughs> this is going to be, and, and I think this is I think for to be so honest, this is American Heritage's toughest challenge yet in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, given last week, but you know, last week Cardinal Gibbons played full of a tough one. I think this one, this one's tougher. This one, you're going up against the defending state champ versus a, a state champ from two years ago. So it's like. Here, here comes the here comes the the, the, the war. Basically. Yeah, fully. Uh, I'm fully prepared for a 48 minute uh, football game, and more than that, if it needs to go that way. Give me your thoughts on Jesuit versus Immokalee. Looks like a good football game. It, it, it looks like a good football game, but I'm just you know, it's it, just something about Jesuit and Immokalee. I mean, who knows? There might be a potential to become a high scoring affair. Who? I mean, this might be this. This probably could be Jesuit's toughest game of the season. But then again, you know, it's 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 you, you look at some of these spreads and you're like ten. You know, ten is like you know, can you, can you increase that or decrease that a little bit? But you know, it's you know, it's all the mathematical stuff. I'm just you know, I, I if that one just does, for, for Jesuit and Immokalee, just that that game doesn't near, nearly as excite me as some of these other games, especially when we get into the lower classes. Right. Um, speak, speaking of that, I was surprised to see this prediction by Pinkos with Coco by five over Booker T. Um, kind of saying this this thing's going to come to an end here for Booker T. Uh, were you surprised by that? I, I'm not surprised by it, but I'm still I'm still sticking to my gun until somebody can beat Booker T in the playoffs. Then I'm not going against them. That's the thing. So I, I'll tell you, I'll take I'll take Booker T in this one. I'll, I'll take Booker T. Get, you know, put what. What the teams on the side of the five? Give me Booker T with by five. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm with you on that. Show me you could beat this team in games that count, and then uh, then I could back you. Uh, so I I'd be on that side too. I'm 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 thinking Booker T in this one, and I I think we can both agree. I think Bowles is your team going to come out of the north. Oh yeah, Bowles. That, that's a, that's a 
that Bulls South Southern match, you know, it says Bulls seven South Southern. I just, you know, I think it's going to be Bulls more like by twenty one at this point because South Southern. This will be South Southern's biggest challenge of the year. I just don't think they can handle a team like Bulls at this particular point. Yeah, uh, Class Three A. Um, you got to feel for Melbourne Central Catholic. Uh, all kind of records, oh, I guess, were goodness. set. Last week in that marathon, it really looked like Rocky 1 and Rocky 2 as no one wanted to fall. Uh, eventually, Clearwater was the one that fell down, so Melbourne moves on, and all they're going to do is catch a Chaminade team that shocked Oxbridge with a blowout win last week. Yeah, that one. I mean, Chaminade, you know, like you said, Chaminade blowing out Oxbridge, and then all of a sudden, Melbourne Central Cabot 9 overtimes. What is that <laughs> Goodness yeah. gracious! What, 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 I, I, I'd like to know what was going on over there. For to be honest, exactly. Like, I, and like, when did Melbourne Central Catholic practice this week? That first practice had to be on Wednesday just to heal up. Yeah, I'll tell you what. And that that, that, that nine overtime game that was only the second nine overtime game. Yeah, actually, yeah, it was the second no, the third nine overtime game in in, in national history, which ties which ties the thing. It, it would. It, at second place of all the games that have, you know, most overtimes, there's one ahead of that, that the, of those three games at 12 overtimes. And it's funny. There's, there's something strange about this history. The last nine overtime game before that one was 10 years ago on that exact date in Washington wow. State. 10 wow. years ago on the exact date. That's, I, this is why I call 2016 kind of an interesting, weird, freaky year. The, the, the things are weird things are yeah def, definitely um i guess we could safely say i'm going to go ahead and put trinity christian into uh the the oh. the championship game next week uh, you, you don't mind if i do yeah. that do you i no i, I everybody uh, everybody i'll talk to is like yeah trinity christian this is just this is probably you know if this was T- trinity christian versus tampa catholic might be a little different but this is berkeley prep and man berkeley prep has not faced a team like this yet so, yeah, well, you know, we always have we, we always have upsets in these playoff games. That would be a major one if it was able to happen. And then finally, the last oh, thing yeah. to talk about here, Josh, is, uh, you know what? People have been uh, against Champagnat Catholic, uh, I think, throughout these whole playoffs, and yet they're still here. Once again, they're underdogs, according to Pinkos, in this game against Northside Christian. Can once again Champagnat Catholic pull this off and make it to Orlando? Well, it's 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 gonna be a tough one, but you know what? They 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 you're right. They've surprised you know over the last couple of weeks. You know, uh, you know, pulling off these wins, and I'll tell you what. But Northside Christian's a very good team, so you can't take them lightly if you're Champagnat. So just just the thing, I you know, I would like to go with Champagnat here, but at the same time, Northside Christian, I really, I think this Northside Christian team is a really really good team, and I'm not sure if. You know, it, you know, it's coach Northside Christian is coached by Mike Allstott, you know, former Tampa Bay Buck. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah, and he's got a stunning quarterback, and they can throw the ball. And I just don't, you know, Champion's got to be ready for that. But uh, yeah, well, you know, know uh, Josh, I just have to see if head coach Dennis Maracuin can keep, uh, you know, using that oh, underdog yeah. mentality as bait for the guys, and see if he can uh, get them back. Get them to Orlando. See if they could uh, pull out another championship over there at Champagnat Catholic. All right. Well, listen, man, I hate to have a, an abbreviated schedule here, but I, like I said, I got to head up to Orlando um, and really hey. quick. We got to go face Bishop Moore. So I appreciate you coming on. 
Hey, I appreciate it. Hey, who knows? You might be playing in Orlando in two weeks from tonight. <laughs> you know that that is that is the plan, my man. But uh, tough Bishop Moore team stands in the way. We'll have to see how it goes. Definitely going to have an interesting conversation with you next week and see if uh, all these favorites won or who pulled the big who pulled the big uh, upsets. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, all right, have a good one. Appreciate it. All right, Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com. They have outstanding Florida high school football uh coverage on the site and you know that's the place to be for the playoffs so go check him out floridahsfootball.com that was joshua wilson and uh he was here to talk um man we've got some great matchups tonight definitely looking forward to that i myself obviously involved in uh, a big matchup in 5a as american heritage uh we're going to take on bishop more the defending uh 5a champions here in the state of Florida. Well, listen, I, I want to thank you all for listening to us here. If you got up early and, and uh, jumped on this early edition of the show with us, really appreciate that. Hey, I appreciate you too. If you're listening to the archive version of this show, we thank you for being a listener. If you love the gridiron stud show, tell a friend I'm back on, on Monday, Emil and I to uh, recap everything we previewed here on the show today. So we want you to enjoy your weekend. Uh, don't get in a fist fight in any of these stores trying to chase a black Friday deal. Watch some football, have some fun this weekend, and we'll see you back on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.